0: Once there was a boy who built a, a boat for himself. It wasn't a full-size boat. It, it was a model boat, a, a boat. You see, for years he and his father had gone down to the nearby lake to sell store-bought boats, and they would love to watch the boats on the water. But the boy was now 10 years old. He saw himself as a big boy, and so he wanted to have his own boat. He wanted to own his own boat. He wanted to build his own boat. And so he designed it, and he went out and bought all the materials with his own money, And under his father's watchful eye, he carefully made the boat out of wood and canvas and string. And he named it Beauty because he liked how it looked when it went across the waves. One day, the wind, however, was blowing especially hard. And before the father and the boy knew it, the the boat was headed towards the other end of the lake, where the lake emptied out into a fast-flowing stream. The boy rushed along the shoreline as fast as he could, but he couldn't get there in time. And The boat plunged into the stream and disappeared from his view. The next day, he and his father walked a long way down that stream, but there was no sign of the boat. And as they made their way back to the house, the father suggested, why don't we just build another boat? I don't want another boat, the boy said. I want beauty. And so weeks passed and then months, and the father and son did a lot of other things with their time that summer, but nothing was quite as much fun or brought them as much joy as sailing that boat on the lake. The next spring, the father and son were out shopping in town, and they walked past a resale shop. And the boy stopped suddenly and pointed in the window. Hey, hey, Dad, look. Look in the window. That's my boat. That's beauty. And the dad looked at the window a little bit, leaned in and looked at the window, and, and he said, I don't know, son. I'm not sure if that's your boat. Because the boat in the window was, was painted a dull gray color. The hole was cracked. The sail was torn, and on top, there were pirate flags. But the boy insisted so they went inside for a closer look, and sure enough, there were the letters B-E-A peeking through the chipped gray paint. I knew it he said. It's, it's beauty. Well, they found the store manager and explained what had happened and how the boy had made the boat himself, but had lost it in a storm, and the, the manager said, well, I wouldn't know about that. What I do know is that, is that there's a price tag on it now. So you're welcome to buy it if it means that much to you the boy looked at the price tag and looked at his dad. He said, can we buy it, Dad? Can we buy it back? It's in pretty bad shape, son. I'm not sure if it's ever going to sail again. Well, I-, I want it anyway. I've got some money saved up at home. But I-, I thought you were saving that for a new skateboard. I'd rather have beauty. So the father plunked some money down the counter and they took the boat home with them. And it took some work and some love and some elbow grease. But before long, the boat looked just like it had when the boy had first made it. And soon after, he and his father were back down by the lake, watching with joy and pride as beauty skimmed across the water. Now, begin with that simple little story today, because we're going to be looking at a a rather complex subject. And we're going to use this little story, this parable, and draw some truth out of it. Hopefully, it'll make it more real for you. And the subject this morning is, is redemption. The redemption that is offered us through Jesus Christ that leads to a change in status before God where we can be called children of God. Now, redemption is one of those big Bible words that we use a lot in church, like uh, propitiation and justification and sanctification, expatiation and whatever The difference is that redemption is a word that we use in everyday life. For instance, (coughs) when you go to the store with a coupon, what do you do with that coupon? You redeem it, right? Or when you mess up in life and you screw up and you want to make up for it, try to redeem yourself. We see it in the sports world uh, with all the steroid scandals. And they talk about these guys having an opportunity to redeem themselves after their scandal has been made public. But what exactly does redemption mean? What does it look like? What does it reveal to us about God? What does it teach us about who he is and, and how he works in our lives and our world and that's what we're going to be looking at some today. And I hope this little parable story, of the boy in his boat, will help us get there. Because you see, like I said, it's a complex subject. There's over 150 scriptures in the Bible that explicitly refer to God as talk about God as redeemer. And obviously we don't have time to get into all of them. We're going to hit a few of them. And then we're going to finish with some verses from the passage uh, that Stephanie just read a few minutes ago from Galatians chapter four. First, let's begin with a, a classic definition of redemption. For those of you who like Bible dictionaries, here's a, here's a definition. Redemption is deliverance of the people of God from the bondage of sin by the perfect substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the consequent restoration to God in his heavenly kingdom. Now, it's a mouthful, so let's break it down into three parts. And redemption in the Bible always involves at least three things. First, Redemption always involves rescue. Redemption always involves something of value that has been lost or ruined or, or taken captive. For instance, Roger Clemens, going back to the baseball steroid thing, seven-time Cy Young award winner, several no-hitters, 350, 60 or so major league wins. But he's lost the respect of many fans and perhaps even a birth in the in the hall of fame he would like to redeem himself and earn back what he has lost the little boy in our story here he lost not only his boat but what else did he lose he lost he lost all those wonderful times and afternoons with his father down by the pond with with his boat beauty redemption is about rescuing something that's been lost, ruined or has been taken captive and according to the bible we need to be rescued Listen to these words from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. So this beautiful picture of God redeeming us, buying us back, rescuing us, and calling us his own. You see, surely, just as surely as God created us, that, and just as, just as that little boy made a little boat god made us for beauty and love and, and and goodness and purpose and most importantly he made us for himself to enjoy a relationship with him both now and forever but then something happens along the way in our lives and we we get lost and that relationship with god gets gets thwarted or distorted or ruined or twisted and we get caught up in sin and all sorts of other things that keep us from enjoying the relationship with the Father that we want and are created for. But unlike the little boat that was swept away by outside forces, this isn't something that happens to us. This is something that we brought on ourselves. And so we need to be rescued. The scripture goes on to identify some of the things we need to be rescued from. And I want to share a few of them with you. Colossians one thirteen says this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And when we say that somebody's in the dark, what are we talking about? We mean that maybe they're, they're not clear on stuff, they're confused, they're, they're lost, they're left out, they're on the outside, you know, lost, whatever it might be. And so, spiritually speaking, when we're in the dark, it means that we don't exactly know where we are and, and how we relate to God and where we're going. Uh, do you ever sp- feel personally that you're in the dark spiritually? There have been times I have felt that way when you're not sure who God is and what he's doing and what you're supposed to be doing. The Bible says we need to be rescued from from spiritual darkness. Titus 2 verse 14 says, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Now, we don't use the word wicked very often. Um, Have you ever done anything that you would consider wicked? I don't mean wicked in the Broadway sense. Have you ever done anything that's downright hateful or, or hurtful intentionally or something that's blatantly untrue? Have you ever had a thought go through your mind and you think, boy, I'm sure glad nobody could see that or hear that? We need to be rescued from thoughts and words and actions like those. You know, one of the hottest songs in the country about four years ago uh, was called Love the Way You Lie by Eminem and Rihanna. And it's a, it's a rap song. Describes a man and a woman whose apparent love for one another has been consumed and is being destroyed by, by dysfunction and abuse. The the lyrics are pretty disturbing. I like the way it hurts. She sings sweetly, and he responds, "If she ever tries to leave again, I'm going to tie her to the bed and set this house on fire." I don't know what's more disturbing: the fact that so many people can live that way, or that we play a song like that on the radio and call it entertainment. Either way, there's something. There's wickedness in our world. And we need to be rescued from it. So maybe you're saying, I don't really feel I need to be rescued from darkness or wickedness. But how about how about guilt? Galatians 3.13 says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's a passage we looked at last week. And just to kind of refresh your mind about what that was about. Uh, when, when God gave the law, what it did is it revealed to us our total inability to obey God completely which then brings us to the point where we realize that we need forgiveness. We need, we need to be saved. We need mercy and grace. And it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because we're always messing up, always falling short, always walking around from time to time with a burden of guilt or inadequacy. And we need to be rescued from that. And then finally, and in case none of these maybe fit you, darkness, wickedness, or guilt, how about Emptiness. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have in our life is this feeling of emptiness at different points in our life. First Peter 1.18 says you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Emptiness. Maybe you've had a big accomplishment in your life or you've, you've done something and, and, and it's been, that's great. and You're getting recognized for it. you feel good about what's going on in your life, except it doesn't seem to be Enough. You, you aren't satisfied. It feels like you're going through the motions. No matter what you achieve, no matter what you do, no matter what you experience, it doesn't seem to be enough. We need to be rescued from that. And that's where redemption begins, because redemption always involves rescue. Secondly, redemption always involves ransom. Ransom. Now, there are actually two words that mean redemption in the scriptures. One of them comes from the marketplace. It's a simple word that means you see something, it has a price, you pay the price and you get it. But the second word for redemption is a word that's used to release something. You pay money to release a slave or a prisoner of war. You pay money to release a piece of property that has a mortgage on it. In effect, you're paying money to buy something back, something that's rightfully owned by you or somebody else. In our little parable, the The boat belonged to the boy. He paid for the parts. He designed it. He built it. He even named it. It was his by rights. But then something happened to the boat. It was lost. It was ruined. It was taken ownership by somebody else. And the boy had had to buy it back. So it is with us. We were made for God. We were made by God. We belonged to him by virtue of creation. But we became lost, tarnished, ruined, taken captive. And we need to be bought back. And there's a price for it. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now, when we hear the term ransom, we often think of money. But no amount of money can, can rescue us from darkness or emptiness or wickedness or guilt. No earthly currency, not good works, not religion, not sincerity. None of those things can buy us back. Only the death of Jesus Christ can pay that price. Colossians 3.13 again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Back in Old Testament times, when somebody was executed for a capital crime, their body would often be left to hang on a tree or a gallows as a vivid, grim reminder and display of the consequences of a wrongdoing and lawbreaking. The cross reminds us of the price that Christ paid for our redemption. In fact, it turns out that, that ransom and redemption was the very reason that Christ came to earth in the first place. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of God the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, in the movie, Saving Private Ryan, there's an army captain named John Miller. if you remember the story. And, and he's given a mission. He and a small squad of soldiers have been selected and they are to go to behind enemy lines to rescue a private named James Francis Ryan. The reason they've been sent on this mission is because Private Ryan's three other brothers have been killed in action. And so their mission is to find him, to get him out of harm's way, so he can return to his grieving mother in the States. And so they accomplished their mission in the course of the movie. But what, is, what it does is it cost Captain Miller and many of his men their lives. That was the price of saving Private Ryan. In a similar, but much more profound way, God sent his son Jesus to earth to find us, to take us out of harm's way, and to restore us to relationship with our Heavenly Father. And he accomplished that mission. But it came at a great, great price. It cost him his life. So redemption always involves ransom. And finally, redemption involves restoration. The goal of redemption is to recover what's been lost, to restore what's been ruined, and to return what has been taken captive. When that boy brought that boat home, what did he do? He didn't leave it in his damaged condition. He didn't leave it up on a shelf and just kind of leave it in, in the state that he found it. He repaired it. And as soon as he could, he, he got it back out on the water to sail again. That's the goal of our redemption in Christ. God hasn't rescued us. He hasn't ransomed us. So we continue to go on in our lives just the way we've been before, to kind of mess up and live apart from him and, and, be, and be frustrated and, and without fruit. Colossians tells us, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God wants us to be in a relationship with him rescued, ransomed and restored. His intent from the very beginning is that we would he would be our father and that we would be his his children, his sons and his daughters. And so when we've been redeemed, we are free to say no to greed or pride or jealousy or anger or lust or bitterness or anger or hatred or prejudice or resentment. And we are free to say yes to beauty and joy and goodness and purpose and love with God and love with others. Now, Galatians 4, which, which really centers us on this topic of redemption. <coughs> So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights as sons and daughters, as children of God. Now, Paul uses the language of the slave market here. In other words, he's saying we were in bondage. We were prisoners of our own foolishness. And we couldn't help ourselves and we couldn't save ourselves. There was nothing we could do. But then God sent his son Jesus into the, the slave market. And he found us and he paid a price for us and he set us free and he brought us home to our Heavenly Father, restored with all the rights and privileges of children of God. So, where are you today? Are you in the family of God? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you been adopted as one of his children and and found joy and peace and love and restoration? I want to close with a story from uh, Lee Strobel. He tells a story uh, about this young woman who was adopted. He writes, shortly after the Korean War, a Korean woman had an affair with an American soldier and she got pregnant. He went back to the United States and she never saw him again. She gave birth to a little girl, and this little girl looked different than the other Korean children. She had light-colored curly hair, which was a bad thing. In that culture, children of mixed race were often ostracized by the community. In fact, many women would kill their children because they didn't want them to face such rejection. But this woman didn't do that. She tried to raise her little girl as best she could. For seven years, she tried to do that until the rejection was just, just too much. And so she abandoned her little girl to the streets. The little girl was ruthlessly taunted by people. They called her the ugliest word in the Korean language, alien devil. It didn't take long for her to draw conclusions about herself based on the way people treated her. For two years, she lived in the streets until finally she made her way to an orphanage. And then one day, word came that a couple from America was coming to adopt a little boy. And all the kids got excited because at least one little boy would would have some hope and find a family. And, And so the day before, she helped clean up the boys, giving them baths, combing their hair, and wondering which one would be the lucky one who was chosen. The next day the couple came, and this is what the girl recalled in her own words. It was like Goliath had come back to life. I saw the man with his huge hands lift up each and every baby. I knew he loved every one of them as if they were his own. I saw tears running down his face, and I knew if they could, they would have taken the whole lot home with them. He saw me out of the corner of his eye. Let me tell you, I was nine years old, but I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. Worms in my body, lice in my hair, boils all over me, full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me, and he began rattling away something in, in English. And I looked up at him. And then he took this huge hand, and he laid it on my face. What was he saying? He was saying, I want this one. I, I want this child, this is the child for me? What a beautiful picture of what God does for us. Our heavenly Father knows we're a mess. He knows uh, that there are others who are more deserving than us, and yet he says to us, "I, I want this one. I-, I want that one. I want them to be my child. I want them to be my child, my own child. This is the child for me. And all God the Father asks in return is that we say, yes. That we say yes to his offer of forgiveness and grace. That we say yes to his son Jesus. And when we do, we are redeemed, we are ransomed, we are restored, we are rescued. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is First John 3, one. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love and we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be our redeemer, to rescue us from our own mistakes and sins and flaws, our own emptiness on the, the wickedness in this world to rescue us. We thank you that you sent him to, to ransom us, that he gave his life for us and paid the price for us and for our sins. And we thank you, Lord, that he, is, that he has restored us to right standing before you so that we can be called children of God. Father, I pray for each person here that if they have put their trust in you, that they would never doubt that they are your children. And if they have not, Lord, I pray that they would that they would, consider that in, and that they would make the step of putting their trust in you. We thank you, Father, for your great love. We thank you that we can call you Father and that we are your children. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.